Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Cowboys making a big splash today, acquiring five-time Pro Bowl cornerback Stephon Gilmore. When it's time to change, then it's time to change. The Cowboys traded a pair of draft picks for the Texans for wide receiver Brandon Cooks. When it's time to change, you've got to rearrange who you are and what you're gonna be. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Riders Block podcast. We love having you here. I am part one of part two of this podcast. And of course, I am Jess Navarez. That's at Jess Navarez underscore on Twitter, joined by none other than Brandon Laurie. That is at Brandon is right on Twitter. We are here because it's officially been a little over a week since the free agency legal tampering period began and almost a week since actual free agency started. There's a lot to talk about, guys. And the last time we talked, Brandon, we said there was going to be a lot to break down. But holy cow, I did not think it was going to be this much to break down. Well, I like to think that we were the podcast that kind of kicked everything off for everybody. You know, it was like in the midst of the legal tampering period when we were recording, just kind of catching up with news. But we had a lot of positive things to say about how the Cowboys address free agency. And we were basically telling everybody to relax like Aaron Rodgers did years back. And I think that when the first day happened, everybody was saying, oh, Cowboys this, Cowboys that. It's ghost town. Nobody's coming in. Nothing's happening. Well, now you look back a week later and and a week really isn't a lot of time. But in the NFL world, it can be a lot of time. Um, And the Cowboys are a completely different team. Like you look at from the players that they brought back, the players they brought in, the players that are gone, they really are different from where they were last season, just based off of like a skill set, what they're going to be trying to do for 2023. And I think now is when you can start seeing, okay, this is where they're going to be heading into next season. These are the players that uh, they have brought in that kind of set them up for the draft and where they want to plug some holes and stuff like that. So I'd like to think that we are the reason that all this happened. I don't know if anybody within the organization listened to the podcast, but I think we had nice glowing things to say and for good reason, because clearly we were right on a lot of those things. And look, as my girl Taylor Swift once said, you need to calm down because fans were going crazy after Monday. I mean, Monday of last week, the tweets, if I pulled up the tweets and the receipts that yeah. I saw from some of y'all on Twitter, <laughs> you would be sorry because the, the the next day and then especially on Wednesday when moves started to be made, what a shift in mentality and attitude, Cowboys Nation. Come on. Let's all just remind ourselves sometimes we have to be a little patient and wait the storm out because look what happened. We had a very exciting week uh, in Dallas. So overall, Brendan, how are you feeling about the week the Cowboys had? We'll get into details here in one second about, you know, departures, trades, new arrivals, all that good stuff, free signings. How are you feeling so far with what you've seen? Yeah, I feel actually really good. There have been a lot of reporters with stories coming out saying that a lot of the heavy lifting has been done. David Moore came out and and put that in his latest article saying that the Cowboys have set themselves up for the draft. They've plugged a lot of major concerns coming into the offseason. I mean, I think we could all agree that the biggest concerns for the Cowboys were wide receiver, cornerback, and then whatever they want to do with along the offensive line, defensive tackle position. And they addressed two of those in a very explosive way. And now you look at it and you say, okay, like they did a lot of the heavy lifting. They they addressed holes and not just with guys that we're used to, you know, these sort of no-name guys, like we mentioned, the Rod Marinelli orphans, as he liked to call them. You know, these guys that nobody really heard of that were former first-round picks that were cast off. So they addressed it with high-profile players and for bargain prices, which, again, that's what we talked about, how the Cowboys go bargain bin shopping, but they did it in a way where they got really uh, excellent value. So... I feel really good. I think that going into this sort of second, third wave of free agency where there's a lot of guys just kind of lingering, maybe waiting until 
after the draft and the rest of the pieces fall. I think the Cowboys might have had one of the better off seasons across the NFL. And, um, you know, I saw there were a lot of things out there where it said them and the Ravens were the only two. And I think maybe the Jaguars were the, a bit for a while that have not made a move to bring somebody in from the outside. Well, that can be thrown out the window. That's done. That's over with. And the Cowboys actually look like that they've been one of the better teams this offseason that they actually win March for the first time in a long time. And it's a different pace from what Cowboys fans are used to. So, you, you know, we joke about all the emotional reactions, but that's pent up emotion from you guys. We get it. It is not something that we're used to seeing this Cowboys team do. And so something I will always give credit to is Mike McCarthy. I really think having Mike and Dan Quinn, especially back is really showing you're officially in your Mike McCarthy era and you're seeing the benefits of that because I think what you're seeing now is the trust from Jerry and Mike. You're seeing Jerry really trusting in what Mike is saying, trusting in what Dan is saying to say, hey, we need these players back. Let's prioritize this. Let's get these deals done. Let's do what we need to do to be able to get these guys back or get additions in ways that we need them. Because really, I can't recall a free agency in ever really being a Cowboys fan uh, or even covering the team this last season. I can't cut. I can't recall a free agency that you saw all these splash plays so quickly. I mean, it's insane to me really. And like you said, a week doesn't seem like a long time, but this week has seemed like a very long week because it was news after news, after news, after news with the Cowboys, which usually free agency, it's pretty slow. So nice little change of pace there, but Let's go down the list of what the Cowboys have done so far because, like I said, there was just a lot. So here are the players that the Cowboys have re-signed since we talked last. Starting with the guy you and I, our all favorite. of us, are one of our favorites, yes. Donovan Wilson, he is back on a three-year deal worth $21 million. 13.5 million of which is going to be guaranteed. Cha-ching, cha-ching for Dono. Give him all the money. Give him all the deals. Give him all the contracts to sign away because Donovan, my guy, you are a cowboy for three more years. And we are very excited about that. Another guy we were very high on bringing back if the Cowboys could. Leighton Vanderush, Wolf Hunter is back and ready to be on the prowl. Uh, Two-year deal worth $8 million. Congratulations, LVE. We have CJ Goodwin and what what is that, Brandon? What what kind of win was that? Uh, it was a good win. Ah, yeah. there, there, there it is. There it is. <laughs> uh, you were setting me up, and I was like, "Oh man, is she talking about uh, Cooper Rush, or is she's is, is, is still on the CJ Goodwin thing?" So I'm happy I was able to catch on. Look, do you have one for Cooper Rush? Do I need to tee you up again? No, I mean I called him the Gingerbread Man back when we had <laughs> Shane Carter on, uh, but and it was around Christmas time, so okay. th- that's all I have. But again, he's sweet. You know, that's what you were saying. He's he's sweet, and he's very uh, nice. honestly, out of all of them, I think that was the one I was very sure of leaving uh, the Cowboys, but I'm very happy he's back. Yeah, no, I agree. So CJ Goodwin, we'll start there. He had a one-year deal worth 1.3 million. Welcome back CJ. And then your guy, Cooper Rush, the gingerbread man, run, run as fast as you can. Uh, I don't know where I was going with that, but uh, I don't know either. (laughs) I'll go with my, my good trusty (laughs) rush hour continues at QB two for two years on a $5 million deal. So all very good names. I think the CJ Goodwin name was something that I was a little surprised with, but looking at the season he had, I I like it. I like the deal. So what do you think overall hearing this list of names so far? And again, free agency, it's it's not done yet. There's We're only a week into this, guys. Brandon, what do you think so far about the guys that we're seeing coming back to the team overall it's very uh defensive heavy aside from cooper rush well i think and we'll get into this with a couple of the other guys who left but i think that a lot of these free agents thought that their market would be a lot more than what they were uh than what it turned out to be and i think you could throw a lot of the safeties in that mix lve and then maybe even like a cooper rush I see the justification for all of them. I completely am happy and, and over the moon that they're back because I think that they do fill needs for the Cowboys. I think if, if Donovan Wilson left LVE left, you don't really know what you have as the backups because like, yes, the safety position you, you feel comfortable about, but Donovan Wilson was probably your best defensive player outside Micah Parsons last season. And I don't think that's really a stretch to say. And then when you look at LVE behind him, like we mentioned last week, the depth of the Cowboys wasn't really uh like very great. So um, I want to give those guys a little bit more credit, but 
you know, Damone Clark, uh, Jabril Cox, guys who aren't really proven. And I think both of those guys coming back is great, but I think that they valued their market way higher than what it was. I know the safety market in general has been around that six, seven, eight million dollars a season. That's right in line with what Donovan Wilson got. LVE, there were some reports and sources that said that the Steelers were in the mix, that the Chargers were in the mix, and the Steelers were sort of a team that were involved last season with him and then kind of pivoted with Miles Jack. This season, they kind of did something similar where Cole Holcomb kind of came in. And as soon as he was signed, I said, oh, I wonder if they were in LVE, you know, into him this season. And it kind of seemed that way as well. So both guys come back. I think the big thing even kind of tying in with Cooper Rush is a lot of these guys, they have families now. They've been with the team for a long time. Cooper Rush specifically just had, uh, I believe, either his first daughter or second daughter. So when you move to a different state, to a different city, it's tough for a lot of these guys and their families to kind of get up and move. So if you can kind of stay home for a hometown discount, um, get your money as well. It's just a win-win all the way around. And that's how I look at all these deals. The CJ Goodwin one, I think they had to bring him back because you look at uh, some guys that they lost with uh, the special teams side of things. You need to bring back somebody with experience and you kind of plug him with Kelvin Joseph being like the two special teams aces of the, of the team. And maybe Devin Harper kind of fills the the void of a, of a guy that left, but all, all around, I am very happy with the guys they brought back. And it doesn't seem like that they're done. I know there's reports of Dante Fowler still being interested in a mutual you know relationship and coming back. Maybe they're freeing up money or have some left over for him, a Jonathan Hankins as well. So I think you might see a few names kind of come back, back to Dallas, but it might be maybe, a little bit before the draft when the board is kind of set or maybe after the draft. What I like too is we're not seeing these long-term deals. These are very practical deals that the Cowboys are making. And it's very, very much so giving them good timelines, I think, to still continue to prove, you know, that they are worth the money that they're making. And um, I will be shocked if we see another long-term deal for a little while um, I think, you know, after Zeke's long-term deal, it's it's kind of safe to say maybe the Cowboys front office lets off the gas pedal with uh, those long-term deals. But I think this is great. I, I know we were talking about last time we were worried if we would see a Donovan Wilson and LVE return, both of them, if they were affordable. Like you said, the market is actually not that bad. And the yeah, Cowboys yeah. have done a very good job, I think, of budgeting with a lack of a better term uh, to be able to keep these guys around and um, I, I think another part of it, going back to, you know, giving the coaching staff credit is had you gotten rid of Dan Quinn or Dan Quinn decided to take an opportunity somewhere else, rather, I don't know how many of these defensive players you would see coming back to the Cowboys, because I know specifically LVE has said time and time again, he plays harder for Dan Quinn. He likes playing under Dan Quinn. Look at how much Dan Quinn has helped Donovan grow and LVE. I mean, these are veteran players. They're not rookie players. These are veterans. And that is very difficult uh, for a coach to come in and teach veteran players uh, new tricks. They always say old dogs don't learn new tricks. But when Dan Quinn's involved, I think so. I mean, I think Dan Quinn is like the equivalent of the dog whisperer in that case, because he is really amplifying these guys and their talents. I, I think he puts them in the right position to, to be able to be successful and versatile. And so, yeah, I think they're both very good success stories overall. Cooper Rush, I am happy about this because you and I were texting back yeah. and forth for a little while about um, my worry for a QB2 and a reliable QB2. I think what Cooper Rush did this last season, you know, when Dak went down with that thumb injury after week one was phenomenal. It's exactly what he was supposed to do but we have not seen the Cowboys have a reliable QB two that, you know, as fans, you can sit back and say, okay, we're good. We can trust Cooper rush. And again, you cannot just replace a guy that already has that kind of rapport with your wide receiver group, your O line and the cadence that that needs to have or, or be there rather when, you know, you have a new guy in, in the pocket, uh, your tight ends, your running backs. I mean, these guys trust Cooper rush. So I love that they got that deal done as well. But, you know, we're going to talk about this here in just a second about how the Cowboys are cooking uh, this season or they're going to be at least. So that got me a little hungry and that got me in the mood to talk a little bit of restaurant talk. So we're not going to give grades. What we're going to do is we're going to give star ratings. So one is going to be like, this is awful. I hate this. Five is going to be, this is great. And I love this. So one to five stars. How are you rating 
the Cowboys so far, the Cowboys front office so far with these re-signings that they have gotten done? I don't think you can do anything but a five-star rating. And that's just my opinion. I mean, if we want to get really cheeky and say four and a half, sure. Like give him an extra buffer to re-sign maybe a Jonathan Hankins or something to kind of get to that five. Uh, we also, maybe we have a very particular palette and we just like to be critical, like uh, whatever the guy is from Ratatouille, you know, he's, he seems like a, a very critical person. Um, so maybe we're like that, but I, I'm not like that. I give people a lot of credit. I think this is right in line with what we expected for the Cowboys, at least you and I, when we were talking last week. And when you were explaining how they handled free agency and what they're looking for, like, and how it's been on a budget, this free agency cycle has really lined up to the strength of what the Cowboys have been able to show in the past, where the market has not been explosive, like across the board with all these different types of positions outside of maybe like a few other deals on the offensive line. But there were also like in Orlando Brown, um, he went to the Bengals and a lot of people have been saying that his deal really isn't like resetting the market at all. So I think that it's just a weird point right now. I don't know if these players are looking for shorter deals where you can get a, you know, more explosive payday in a, in a few years when the cap is, is a lot higher than what it is now. But I do think that the Cowboys, like they looked at that and said, Oh, well, if the market's not going to blow up and it's at our range, like why not bring our guys back? Cause they're usually the team that gets the comp picks. They lose all their guys. And then they have to kind of restock with like that bargain bin shelf aspect. And I think the draft sets up perfectly for them too, where you look at tight end running back, um, you know, interior offensive line, defensive line, maybe linebacker later in the draft. Like they set themselves up to where they can draft anybody um, because they've filled all these needs with guys that they've brought in and kind of just let walk out the door. So I honestly, I don't think anything less than five stars is pretty like legitimate. I think that a five-star rating is right where it needs to be. Cause like I said, I think they've had one of the better off seasons in the NFL credit where credit is due we're not yeah. being homers that that is just a fact i mean they have been very productive so yeah i'm gonna go i'm gonna go five stars but you're right the the half the what is it the point five should be taken off for not finding a way to get jonathan hankins back yeah. that's the next guy on my list that i would like to see the cowboys acquire if they can but you know going back to the draft talk I think this will be the first draft in a very long time that, you know, Cowboys Nation can take a sigh of relief to say, oh, wait, no, we have actually really good options in this draft that we can get a little bit uh, creative with. Like the Cowboys can go a couple of different ways in the draft and it can be helpful because they've made the splash plays now. So they've, they're not putting so much pressure during the draft process to be able to draft and develop all of these guys that you need immediately when that draft and develop process takes time. So I'm excited. Um, I'm going to give them five stars. So delicious. All right. Not so delicious. Uh, it is free agency, meaning when there's additions, there's also subtractions. And I don't like math. So, you know, I don't like subtractions either because, you know, you get very attached to these players and you realize, you know, sometimes you're more of a fan of these players than you lead on, you know, but the Cowboys have said their goodbyes to some guys on their free agency list, starting with Connor McGovern. He signed a three-year deal with the Bills for $22.35 million. Cha-ching for Connor McGovern. Uh, good for him. We love that. Um, also love that he's not in uh, the NFC East. I, I don't want to see any of these guys land anywhere in the NFC East ever. It, it stings a little bit more. Um, so love that you have Luke Gifford who went to the Titans on a two-year deal worth 4 million. Again, like you were saying, that's really in that market, uh, price that you just mentioned this one. I was hoping we could keep if possible. And by we, I mean the Cowboys, um, I was hoping the Cowboys could find a way to lock down Noah Brown, a one-year deal heading to Houston on, uh, again, for that one year worth $2.6 million dollars. Um, this, uh, we'll skip this one for now. Let's go down to Jake McQuaid. He signed with the lions on a one-year deal, uh, worth $1.3 million. Keep in mind, Jake McQuaid was injured after week four against the Washington's last season. And the Cowboys found a way to have success with that long snapper position. However, Jake McQuaid is a veteran that, uh, is just hard to replace overall. So wishing Jake McQuaid luck as he heads to Detroit Dalton Schultz also heading to the Texans with Noah Brown on a one-year deal worth $9 million. Um, yeah, that that was not a surprising move, I think, to anybody. 
the Texans, a little surprising to me, but stealing uh, some uh, hometown people. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> uh, Texans, are you trying to be like the Eagles? Because it's usually the Eagles that are trying to be like the Cowboys. Apparently, it's the Texans uh, that try to do that now. So that's cool. And then last, but certainly not least, this one, this one still stings, Brandon. I'm, I'm, I'm getting sad talking about it again, but Ezekiel Elliott was a June 1st cut, which June 2nd, that means that will add 10.9 million of cap space for the Cowboys. Um, okay. This, as far as Zeke, was not surprising. I think we saw the writing on the walls for a while. However, it didn't make it sting any less. How do you feel about, you know, Zeke overall in this decision that the Cowboys front office actually made and that they actually did it? Myself, RJ, and Danny uh, was around for a little bit of the pod, but we had a sort of reaction pod to Elliot's release. And, you know, we were all looking at it as, like you mentioned, Jess, like the writing was on the wall. This was going to happen. It's for the better betterment of the team. He was at this point just really taking a lot of snaps away from like a Tony Pollard and Malik Davis. And I don't think the Cowboys were going to ask him to come back as the third running back because with Pollard being the guy, and maybe Zeke comes back with a $3 million deal for, you know, one or two years or probably one year. You know, I don't think that it's respectable to Pollard where it's like, okay, is Zeke still the guy? Cause like I mentioned on, on the podcast, like there are still Elliott jerseys that are going to be coming into the stadium for the next 50 years, you know? So there's going to be a lot more than Pollard jerseys. And what is that dynamic going to be like? And everything was coy. Uh, Clarence Hill was talking about, he really believed that, Elliot and Pollard got along. It wasn't like it was fake for the media. Like they truly cared about each other a lot. So, but after a while, when the pay starts changing and everything, does that alter their relationship? So I think the Cowboys just realized that that's better to just move on. Like Jerry Jones mentioned in his, in his statement, like some of those statements and I mentioned it to RJ, you don't believe like it comes out. It's mostly fluff. You know, it's sort of like corporate speak, but I truly believe Jerry Jones when he says, you know, it's a mutual decision. Ellie is a legacy player. He wore the star with pride and, and represented it well. Like that is exactly how Jerry Jones has felt about Zeke his entire career. So I, I think that while the Cowboys are going to be missing his personality in the locker room, and I'm sure Dak will be missing his buddy on the sidelines, it's a move that just kind of had to be made. Uh, it opens up the possibility for the Cowboys to, again, like the draft lines up great for them to take a running back, maybe in the first, second, third, whoever, and maybe they don't commit to Tony Pollard long-term. And it's an instance where now you reset the clock with a rookie running back. And like you mentioned before, how the Cowboys aren't handing out these long contracts. I don't think you might see the Cowboys hand out a long-term contract to a running back anymore. But again, that doesn't discredit Elliot, well-deserving of the money. Um, he will be missed. He's been one of my all-time favorite players. I mentioned on the pod that when I sort of got into this journalism career path of, of that I took after high school, Elliot came into the league. So it's always been tied to the hip with me and my professional career as well as him and his professional career. So it's sad to go. It's definitely surreal that it's been seven years. Uh, it definitely makes me feel old, but at the end of the day, it's just a business. That's how these things have to go. And I'm sure he'll land on his feet somewhere. Um, and again, we wish him nothing but the best. Yeah. I know it was the right business decision, but Dang, it's it hurts. Stings. It stings. <laughs> yeah. It does hurt. And um, he's the kind of guy that again, it's just so unnoticed the presence he has in that locker room, and that is so hard to replace. His presence is felt. I mean, Zeke will walk in the room and you know he is there. I mean, he's laughing about something or he's talking to somebody, and he is just such such a force in that locker room. So what'll be interesting to me is to see how Tony Pollard steps up into that new leadership role. Because I think he's been a leader. He's more so of a quiet, reserved leader, but he's been a leader in his own right. So to see him step up and, you know, try to be one of the solutions to fill that very big void that you're missing without Ezekiel Elliott in the locker room um, is going to be interesting. And I think it's going to be really good for Tony Pollard to have that kind of growth for himself as a leader in the locker room and on the field. But Zeke overall, I mean... Aisha Morrison and I were talking about this, you know, the day it happened is Zeke is some of the younger generations Emmett Smith. I mean that I said the exact same thing yeah. on the podcast to, to RJ. I said he yeah. was like that last connection to the nineties dynasty where yeah. like they wanted to run the ball. They wanted to do all these things. And he was like the tether that like, again, I never saw a running back 
spend his entire career with the Cowboys from start to finish, like my dad did with Emmett Smith, you know, and it's sort of that relationship that my dad and I had together. Like it brought us closer as fans of the game. And whenever Elliot had a great game, he'd be like, Oh, that reminds me of Emmett Smith. I'm like, well, that reminds me of Zeke Elliott. Like he's doing it right now. Yeah. So I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. And I think, you know, when, when older fans sit there and say, Oh, well, you should have been there when, when Emmett was released. Here's the thing, guys. To some people, this is their generation's Emmett Smith, and there's nothing wrong with them being upset that he is not going to be a cowboy anymore. I mean, how weird is it going to be to see Zeke wearing a different uniform? Uh, yeah. So, so weird. I mean, you know, the last time we went around in free agency, we lost Amari Cooper, and I remember seeing him in his Browns uniform for the first time, and I was like, oh. It's horrible. I'm so well, sorry. Even DeMarco Murray in the in the Eagles uniform. Like you don't want to see any about of that. that one. Yeah. No, I don't, that one's blocked out of my mind. I've official that one is out of my brain because I can't handle that. That's too much. Even Jason Witten in the in the Vegas jersey, weird. Didn't didn't like that either. But um, you know, all that to say, this is a keystone player for your modern day Dallas Cowboys. We're not talking about the 90s Cowboys. We're not talking about the legacy before him. We're talking about the legacy that he's left now. And, you know, I think Jerry did a very good job in saying, like you mentioned in his statement, it was it was genuine, but I think he did a good job in saying that Zeke set the standard for what leaders should be in the locker room, both on the field, off the field, and off the field in the sense of the community involvement that he's had. And I know that's not what gets him paid in the long run. I know that that's a you know mixture of things, including stats that weren't so great the last couple of seasons. However, Zeke is just such a a great guy, both you know on and off the field. And I'm just very, very, very happy and very blessed that I did get to uh, you know meet him this season and talk to him and um, kind of pick his brain a little bit because it was absolutely my honor to do so and. Um, I, I cannot say enough good things about this guy. His mama raised him right. And big shout out to her because, man, he he's a great guy. Always respectful. And, you know, something that I noticed about Zeke early on was the way the Cowboys locker room works is there's two days a week where you can talk to the players and the locker room opens. And usually it's a very unspoken rule that – if a player talked openly to media, you know, the day before, you probably should leave them alone at their locker room the next day because they already talked. However, I would go in once a week to the locker room and I, I told him, you know, you don't have to talk if you don't want to. Um, I know you talked yesterday, but I wasn't here. He's like, no, no, like whatever you want to ask, sit down. We can, you know, we can talk about whatever. And it, it's just very selfless. And that doesn't seem like a big thing, but when you're in terms of, these guys are just tired of talking to the media and that's just how it gets. And, you know, sometimes they're getting asked the same questions they already answered. That's frustrating, but he was always very nice about it. Um, and always just a very happy spirit to be around. So I'm, I'm wishing him all the best because it's a tough loss. And I just want to bring up one quick thing that I mentioned on the pod with RJ is that, you know, Elliot has never really faced adversity, you know, when it comes to like the early days of his career, like he's always been the guy, he was the fourth overall pick in the draft. And he's always been the same guy throughout his career. You know, like he could have had just a swelled head coming into the league saying like, I'm the guy he had, you know, a great rookie season, co-offensive player of the year led the NFL in rushing, you know, two of his first three seasons. And that never changed his mentality. And to me, the biggest highlight was not on the field, but off the field where 2020, like he played with Jason Garrett his entire career. Jason Garrett leaves. Mike McCarthy comes in, new coach, trying to feel out, you know, who's going to be the people to lean on. And usually that's the quarterback, you know, like a Dak Prescott. But then he goes down early in the season with the ankle injury. And now who does Mike McCarthy have to lean on as a leader of the team? You know, Jason Witten's gone. There's guys on the defensive side, but you still need an offensive guy who's been there to kind of speak for everybody. And Elliot picked up that baton and said, like, I will do this. Like, I, I'm the guy. I need to step up. He said immediately in the locker room when Dak went down with the injury, I remember his press conference. He said, like, no, like, I got to be the leader, you know, for Dak until he gets back. And that, to me, spoke volumes of his personality. And I do believe that that type of leadership, when people can rally around that and say, like, if Zeke's not giving up on the season, we shouldn't either. That's why they didn't end, you know, with a top three pick in the draft in the 2021 season. It's because I think that when you have that core foundation of leadership on the team, it's like you can't fail 
that much. And I think Elliott had a great um, influence on the team. And again, Mike McCarthy, it's his first season. Like you need somebody to kind of go to. And Zeke was that guy. So I, it's unfortunate that the Cowboys used him as a one back system. And maybe if they kind of had a second guy to kind of spell him like a Tony Pollard early on in his career, he could still be with the team. Maybe he has a little bit more tread on the tires, but you know, it's just, that's the way he was. And he was a great back for it and he'll be missed. And there's going to, there's a reason why he finished third all time in rushing in Cowboys history. Like Emmett Smith, Tony Dorsett, Ezekiel Elliott. I think that's a great one, two, three. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Oh, yeah. And, you know, something, too, that I had mentioned when it had first happened was he has been a leader for Tony Pollard as well, who really has been in his shadow up until the last couple of seasons, and especially, you know, this season uh, with that one-two punch. But, you know, somebody, I think, commented or tweeted me saying, well, no, he's not. He's never helped Tony Pollard. Look, Tony Pollard is great in his own right. We know this. We breathe this. We live this. We know that. I'm not saying that because of Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard is as talented as he is, and I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is when you're human and you have somebody doing the exact same job as you and to an extent you know they're kind of your competition because you're getting older, they're younger, they're still being productive, you're being less productive and not by your own will or choice but because your body cannot do anything more than it's doing for you, naturally as a human you're going to get those jealous emotions to come in and maybe cloud how you act towards that person not once did I see that at all this season. And I wish people could understand it is such a privilege to be able to go in the locker room on my end and and really see how these guys interact with each other. But to really see the nuances of how those guys work together, how they talk to each other, even the credit that Tony Pollard has given him this whole time, he didn't have to do that. And I just think, you know, Ezekiel Elliott is that veteran leadership we've been talking about all season. Um, and he was that for, you know, Tony Pollard these last few seasons. And this was really the first season you saw Tony Pollard shine his absolute brightest. So um, the time was coming. We saw it coming. We knew it was coming. But man, Zeke, we're definitely going to miss you. But speaking of missing people, Brandon, is there anybody else that we had mentioned um, with the departures? Again, that's Connor McGovern, Luke Gifford, Noah Brown, Jake McQuaid, and Dalton Schultz. Is there anyone else that you're really looking at that list and thinking, man, I wish the Cowboys would have found a way to re-sign them somehow? Not entirely. I think maybe the one that stands out for me is Luke Gifford. Like we went through our free agency shopping list where we wanted like five guys to keep. And I think he was one of them just because of the the core special teams guy he was turning into. Um, he had potential to develop into a really good, you know, backup linebacker, like a depth guy. The Cowboys clearly, you know, let him play a little bit more on defense this past season. But I just think that re-signing him would have been nice for John Fossil. That's why I mentioned like getting CJ Goodwin back was a good win for the Cowboys because they needed somebody at that spot. Connor McGovern, I think, would have been great to have back as like a depth guy. Um, probably could have competed for a left guard starting spot. But once they kind of, you know, were whispers of Tyron Smith coming back and maybe Tyler Smith um, will be, you know, either playing left guard, left tackle. I think it just again opens up the fact that not only the Cowboys can address that in the draft, but I do think that they truly believe in like a Matt Farniak to be a good, you know, guy as a stopgap uh, at the guard position. Maybe they address it next season. Uh, there was something being reported. I think it was Michael Gelkin that they do love Josh Ball, uh, maybe at guard more than tackle. So maybe he'll get his shot to be uh, left guard for the team. So we'll see how it plays out with that. But I think the biggest surprise for me, it's not like that this player left and the Cowboys can resign him, but I really thought that Dalton Schultz would have had a market to go to a team. Like if you told me Dalton Schultz would be the last one to be resigned or signed to a team before McGovern, Gifford, Brown, and McQuaid, I would have said well, that's impossible. Like he had more st statistical success. He's a more proven, like explosive offensive player. Those guys get paid. 
But I think that goes back to what I said before, how these markets of these players were just, I think, maybe overblown and out of proportion from what they thought. And you look at and I, I was thinking about a good analogy today because we like doing it on the pod as well. To me, with Dalton Schultz, it is like a four year relationship where you break up, you got a house together, you know, you 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 have to move out like you have to go away. But he decides to go with the Texans because you like the state. You know, maybe you have friends in the same area that you can't really leave yet. You still have a similar job that, you know, you still need to kind of land on your feet temporarily before you take that big leap and maybe go either back home or to another state and kind of explore other options. That to me is what this was. It was a four year relationship that just ran its course. Um, There were people that were saying maybe because this market was at, at kind of like a stalemate that maybe he comes back to the Cowboys. I didn't really see that based off of, you know, things I was hearing that it's just, you know, the Cowboys are ready to move on and they have guys in the, in the, not only on the roster, but also in the draft that they like. Um, but I just, I thought that him going to the Texans just lined up perfectly. Once it kind of got to this point, you stay in the same state again, no state income tax, very important for these players. And when it's a $9 million deal, he's clearly just going to go in and then, you know, hit the reset button next off season. But again, it's like the money that you, I, I don't know. It's just I, I look at his deal right now and the situation he's going into with the Texans. It's like, does that really is that your best landing spot? And I don't know if he completely didn't have a market. I know there was rumblings that the Giants were looking at him as a potential option before they went with Darren Waller. And I just thought that maybe him with the Chargers, maybe him with uh, the Patriots would have been a good fit. But it just didn't work out that way. Maybe the Bengals. But, you know, maybe the, the Texans wanted to offer him the money. Uh, similar to another player who we're going to talk about as an addition on this list. Maybe people go to the Texans because that's the higher payday, and then they go to another team afterwards that has more success. But that was kind of like the big surprise for me. Yeah, I I didn't see a situation where Dalton Schultz came back to the Cowboys unless he did compromise what he thought his value was, and I didn't see that happening. I mean, I really didn't. And like I said, you know, he kind of shot himself in the foot when he didn't sign a long-term deal last season because he was on that franchise tag and then enters the chat. Well, who is it? The younger guys. You have your Jake Ferguson, your your Peyton Hendershots of the world, and then uh, Sean McKeon, who I think, again, very underrated in your tight end room, but he is going to be a star. I'm saying it now. I'm calling it. You're on the Sean McEwen bus? I am because I've seen glimpses of what he's capable of doing, but now without Dalton Schultz, you're going to see a little bit more of him. However, I'm also on that tight end first round draft pick train, so we'll see how It's uh, strange how he's like the longest tenured tight end now. Like it, Isn't just, it? He's, he's your been veteran. Here since, he's been here since the Garrett era. He's he's your veteran and yeah. um you know, I I think he's been a very solid leader and People can laugh at that all they want, but that tight end room is very, very tight knit and um, they give credit where credit is due. But overall, I think for me, the guy I would like to keep is Noah Brown, um, but then enters the chat, Cavante Turpin. And how do those two tie hand in hand? Well, they're your special teams guys. They can also be converted to your offensive wide receiver threat. I mean, you have Noah Brown who started as just a special teams guy and has worked his way up to be in the offense. And then you saw glimpses of what he could be as a receiver when you had Cooper Russian, because keep in mind, that's the guy he's used to working with. When you're getting those number two reps, that's your guy. You're used to having that kind of rapport with Cooper Rush. So I think, um, you know, had he been in the mix a little bit more, he could have built that kind of rapport with Dak. But then that also, for me, it, it asked the question, if, you know, something happens to Kevontae Turpin, who's your next special teams guy up? Because usually it would be Noah Brown for that returner position. Would it be CeeDee Lamb? Is it somebody we don't know yet who maybe comes in the form of a draft pick? Um, and, and also a wide receiver, we don't know yet. But to me, if you could keep anybody um, on that list, I think that was somebody that I wanted to prioritize a little bit. Um, but again, not the end of the world. I'm happy that him and Dalton can reunite on uh, the Texans offense, which is just going to be super weird um, overall. But I heard a splash earlier because the Dallas Cowboys made a very surprising, not one, but two splash moves this free agency so far. Uh, They signed Stephon Gilmore, and by sign, I mean they had a trade with the Colts. Forget this. 
2023 fifth round comp pick basically for nothing. I mean, you're kidding me, right? You're getting this extremely seasoned veteran for basically nothing. Mind blowing to this, to this second. Um, I still haven't had time to really absorb how great of a deal that is on the Cowboys end. Um, keep in mind, Gilmore is going to be in your secondary with Trayvon Diggs, and that is a threat in itself. He has recorded 29 interceptions in 148 career games. So here's the thing. Cowboys fans, we're not being dramatic here. Brandon and I are very even killed when it comes to talking about Cowboys. At least I like to think we are. Um, yeah, I'd like to think time. so too. Yeah. yeah, I'd like to think we're pretty fair. <laughs> but really, looking at your secondary now with Trayvon and you have um, Stephon Gilmore adding into that cornerback position that has just been worrisome all season. How do you think that secondary rates in the NFL next season? That's I, a steep I, question, but I yeah. got to know. I think it really is. I mean, there's an argument to be made where if you look at, like, I think the top secondary last season, you could argue was the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, they had Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who was leading the league in interceptions. They had a good rotational piece as a second safety next to him. And then, of course, they had Darius Slay and then James Bradbury, who two, both of them are coming back. But at the safety position, they lost a lot of guys. Marcus Epps went to Las Vegas. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson went to Detroit. So I think that they have uh, Blankenship, you know, the Rodrigo's brother. Uh, I think he's their safety, you know, and it's like, who else do they have outside of that? Like they might have to go to the draft. They might have to kind of sign just a veteran who's out there, maybe a similar name to like a uh, Kayvon Frazier or Kavon Frazier, uh, you know, that the Cowboys had years ago where it's like this sort of depth guy that they try and turn into a starter. Um, I, I think that the Cowboys have an argument that they are among the best. And, you know, of course, when you look at a guy like Stefan Gilmore, there was a lot of fan talk about bringing in Jalen Ramsey. I don't know how legitimate that was, but I think the compensation was probably going to be a little bit higher than a Stefan Gilmer. So again, you look at the value, like we've talked about, you get a, a high caliber, all pro cornerback who still played at a high level. And, and you look at him and the next guy that we're going to be talking about, like they come from teams where they were on bad teams last season. And it may look like that they weren't, like up to snuff statistic wise. But again, you got to remember that the Colts of 2022 were an absolute train wreck. Like they were not a good team. So he was the best player on defense. He had an interception against the Cowboys. I think he had a game ender in that God awful game in Denver, you know, but he still was a really great cornerback for the Colts last season. And he brings in again, veteran leadership. You mentioned pairing him with Trayvon Diggs. He already talked about he can show him a few things that maybe he wishes he learned along the way back when he was younger. So I think that that's going to be a great move, uh, not only from the compensation that they give up. Shout out to Cedric Wilson uh, for the comp pick. Thanks, um, Betty. We miss you, but thank you. Yeah, who knows? Maybe he'll end up back. Uh, who knows? But oh, I think man. That, if, if yeah. that happens, I hope all credit is given to you for that moment. Like, uh, I mean, I, I've seen it around where it's if he's a cap casualty or something, maybe he takes a re reduced salary. I don't know. But who knows? He might be back. But with with Gilmore, it's a great pickup. Um, I'm, I'm happy they did it because, again, it doesn't preclude them from taking a cornerback high in the draft. We talk about, you know, tight end. We've talked about corner. We, we'll talk about wide receiver next. Like, I think that the Cowboys brought in guys where it could end up being like a one year deal where it's an all in push. And if they draft a guy to kind of be the incumbent, you know, to from these veteran players, that is perfectly fine. Like the Cowboys have a great way and, and do a great job of protecting themselves and they do it with great players. And I think that the compensation that you're giving up, you know, for these guys is very minimal. So I'm totally excited and pumped up for it, especially with him and Diggs being side by side. I mean, where are those quarterbacks going to throw to? Uh, like, yeah. Even Deron Bland in the slot. Extra wide receivers for yeah. your opposing quarterback. That's great. Yeah. It's very exciting uh, stuff here. And, you know, what's interesting is our two new additions with Stephon Gilmore and Brandon Cooks, who we're about to talk about, um, they were once former teammates. So that's cool that they have that rapport. They have a little bit of a, a buddy system to go in with, even though they don't need it because um, Stephon Gilmore – has the respect of that locker room already. I mean, I don't know if you saw those social media reactions from yep. the players tweeting right after they were like, Oh heck yeah, we got a shiny new toy. We're excited. But, um, you know, speaking of Brandon cooks and yes, not this Brandon, not Brandon Laurie, Brandon cooks, who 
RJ had mentioned this. You have, I am that. struggling with it just as much as he oh is. Oh my goodness. Like the autocorrect is autocorrecting. It yeah. is really saying, no, you do not spell it with an I, you spell it with an O. And I'm like, no, you spell it with both now because you have a co-host named Brandon and you now have a wide receiver on the Dallas Cowboys named Brandon that is spelt with an I. So that has been a struggle, but we're going to, we're going to get there. Our phones will autocorrect. Listen, there uh, is no I in team, but there is an I in Brandon. So I guess, you know, we'll have to get used to that. Now. <laughs> oh my God. That was amazing. Oh man. That was on the spot guys. Okay. So for Brandon cooks, what you're looking at is the Cowboys have traded their fifth round pick for 2023 and a sixth round pick in 2024 to the Texans finding their missing ingredient to get cooking in the wide receiver room next season how is that did you like that one uh, i i like that and then i actually saw shout out Haley sutton uh you know she had somebody comment like she asked for puns for all the cooking puns and it said something like you can't cook galloping lamb you know or something like that or a lamb oh, that man. gallops and and she's oh, like man. this is very strange but like i like it you know <laughs> and like the wide receiver room i yeah, it was very strange, but I, I was all I was all for it too. I love it. I love that because it is going to be one heck of an addition. Uh, Todd Archer reported that the Cowboys and Cooks agreed to a two-year deal worth twenty million dollars, twelve million of which is guaranteed, and this is only going to cost six million dollars for the twenty twenty-three cap. Um, and you know what? The Texans are actually taking on six million of the eighteen million that he's guaranteed in twenty twenty three. So that's a lot of numbers. Again, we do math on this podcast, which well, is and, fantastic. And originally, it was supposed to be twelve million, but the Cowboys just recently restructured it. You know, which you know allows them more room. And people are wondering, you know, does that mean if they're going to make another move? And but I think we kind of talked about they want to bring back a Dante Fowler. They want to bring back a Jonathan Hankins. They might be in talks with saying, okay. Let's restructure a few more dollars here. Give them, you know, maybe a one-year deal for a couple million more than what we were kind of talking about. And then they're able to kind of really just go into the draft with with everything solidified. So I think that that could be the route. It's not going to be an OBJ. It's not going to be another, you know, wide receiver. Maybe it's a running back. They had a, a tryout with a Ronald Jones, uh, you know, t today as a recording Monday. So maybe it's like a depth piece. But don't keep your expectations too high. It's probably just going to be something to fill a, fill a missing piece. Well, what you can keep your expectations high for is what Brandon does. And I'm sorry, Brandon. I wish I was talking Not about me. You. Yeah. Um, but what Brandon Cooks does for the Cowboys offense, because he's entering his 10th NFL season. He has played 132 career games. During that time, he's racked up a total of 630 catches for 8,616 yards per game. He averages about 65.3 yards. He has 49 touchdowns. And during that entire time, keep in mind, this is going in his 10th season, only four fumbles. So absolutely fantastic uh, addition by the Cowboys. So obviously this means the Cowboys are pretty much out of the OBJ talk. So I'm so, so sad that that talk. We it's finally over. The OBJ ever again. I'm so sad about it. Um, you know, I'll find a way to move on from that. But do you think that he is going to be enough of what the Cowboys were looking for with that missing wide receiver veteran uh, spot that was just so obviously apparent last season that they needed? Do you think what he brings to the table is enough for the Cowboys offense? I think so. And of course it remains to be seen. Like that's the typical, you know, political answer of, Oh, well, we need to see how Mike McCarthy uses him. And it is actually very strange and, and unique how Mike McCarthy doesn't usually go for the smaller guys for receivers. Like Randall Cobb is, is a guy that's always been a little bit smaller than the other guys like a Jordy Nelson and Donald driver, Greg Jennings. So the fact that he fits this mold, like clearly again, there was an interest last season. The Cowboys wanted to trade uh, for, for Brandon cooks. We can, you know, kind of say that now. And it's something where they had an interest in him way before the OBJ talk started. So I think that this is just Brandon Cooks wanted to be here. The Cowboys wanted to to bring him in. The compensation was just too high for them to pay last season. They waited for the price to go down, and clearly it ended up working out in their favor. So I think it's a great situation. And the the one thing I want to figure out is, um, you know, like last season, he had that instance where he wanted to be traded. It didn't work out. And then he was away from the team, and he actually had the captain – you know, uh, title stripped from him because of it. And I don't think that that's a reflection of his personality. Like people might say, oh, he's tough to be around. Everything I've heard about this guy is he's so dedicated. He's hardworking. He's a great leader. 
Uh, again, he has that relationship with Stefan Gilmore. They were out, you know, in about at a basketball game together already. I also pointed out on Twitter, and I know a lot of people have done this before, but it wasn't as like prominent until he actually came to the team that two days before Brandon Cooks actually landed in Dallas, when Stefan Gilmore was giving kudos to Cowboys Nation, kind of being, you know, welcoming and everything. Brandon Cooks commented and said, uh, you know, like, I'm I'm going to call you in a little bit or whatever, you know, it translates to to A-H-H-H-H-H. I like to think it's ah, you know, but um, I think that there were maybe conversations being had, you know, behind the scenes where Brandon Cooks already knew that he was going to kind of come to Dallas. So it keeps the two of those guys together. They have a good relationship. Again, he's a vet to kind of help C.D. Lamb develop, keep going. And it doesn't preclude them again from signing C.D. Lamb long term it's not like that they're handing out a lot of money to a free agent wide receiver like an obj where now all of a sudden it becomes tricky to keep cd lamb like the cowboys want lamb to be here long term and i think you look at michael gallup as somebody where he's gonna be a, a year removed from his acl this is a great great core of wide receivers development from jalen tolbert uh there's already been pictures of him working out with dak in the dak yard so i i'm i'm loving it it's a great pickup again, just like Gilmore, where it's uh, low risk, high reward. You didn't have to pay much for it, and he's a guy that's a proven vet that can come in here and be an explosive player for this offense. Well, speaking of food, call Brandon McDonald's for loving this move for other Brandon. <laughs> like you're loving it, so are all of us. I mean, yeah. this is great, and you know what I think is interesting. You made this transition so perfect, Chef's kiss. That's a, a, um, I try, I try. It was amazing. So. You know, we we did see Michael Gallup kind of have a standstill last season to say he wasn't as productive as, you know, expectations were for him because of that ACL injury. Do you think that this means Michael Gallup and you're going to see Brandon Cooks kind of duke it out for that wide receiver two spot? Or do you think, you know, Michael Gallup kind of keeps that spot and then you see other Brandon, <laughs> Brandon with an I, uh, come in and become more of that wide, re wide receiver too for the wide receiver room. It's tough because we already have two Brandons like on the BTB network. Like is Brandon Cooks going to have to be B3 or, or we I, just have to shift everybody down a peg where I become yeah. B3, you know, like that's, yeah, maybe that's your be... B3 and then other Brandon is Brandon B2, B2 and then yeah. Brandon with an I could be it's, b1 well and it makes sense because a one kind of looks like an i if you do it like capitalized so it's like really? b with an i so i'll also float that by with rj um, i'm sure he'll be all for it yeah <laughs> we'll have to get everybody in the discussions exactly so like, but, hey, man we had a system you kind of kind of threw it off what do you think yeah well you know what i'll ask brandy cooks specifically you know i'll be like hey buddy yeah, you know what he thinks. yeah right. but <laughs> I, I i do think that everybody's going to get involved. I think CeeDee Lamb, of course, is like the explosive playmaker. He's your number one guy. This reminds me very similar to what it was like with Amari Cooper here. Like Brandon Cooks becomes the Amari Cooper where Michael Gallup still had a really great season with Amari Cooper here in the 2021 season. And it was just unfortunate that injury kind of derailed the final weeks and then into the playoff push for Michael Gallup to get injured. But I think that they're both going to be, uh, you know, competing for that spot, but it's not going to be like a two and three. I think it's going to be, one, one A, one B. It's the same thing where you know Amari and CeeDee Lamb were like, well, all three of us are number one wide receivers. Like this is a great group of guys where they all lift each other up. I don't know what happens if Odell Beckham comes into this situation and he's not getting enough touches. Brandon Cooks was on a terrible team last year. Again, we keep reiterating that. I think he was like the only player, like the first player to score offensive touchdown to a wide receiver for the Texans last year. So it was it was rough and that's sad. and that's where no brown and dalton schultz decided to go uh, well, as a reminder yeah and no no brown might we'll get, be look maybe they'll get some work in maybe i'm just saying well, and that's that's the thing no brown might be the, the the number two guy in houston now that brandon cooks is gone and and again this weird battle between you know we take two you got of uh, your guys you take one I'd love to know what the community of, of Houston thinks about cooks coming to Dallas. Like if they're upset about that and he, he's like a traitor, I, I don't know. It seems like it's a little one-sided rivalry on the Houston side more than the Dallas. It's like, okay. Yes. Really down. though. Like they played <laughs> that game against the Cowboys. Like it was their super bowl yeah. because the Texans did not look good all season. And then magically they're throwing everything they had into the Cowboys game. And they admitted to it too. They said, we're giving everything we have. They laid all their cards out and said, huh, you want to say we're a bad team? Yeah, we do. But why'd you have to go and do that? I mean, that was insanity. But 
you know, they're definitely mm-hmm. trying to make up for that by, I think, taking as many Cowboys players as they can to try to be like the Cowboys. I don't yeah, like and, and listen, Manav, I know you might be listening to it. Manav Gupta, we've had him on. He's a Houston guy through and through. We're not talking about you, okay? It's nothing no. against you. Never uh, you. Nope. But I do think that with Brandon Cooks in the fold, I think it's just a guy who's going to come in and he's not going to be aggressive for catches. I think he understands that he's, he plays a role. He's already talked about, like, for him, it's not about money. It's production, you know, not really about statistics, but, like, he's just here to do a job. He wants to be successful. He was on the Super Bowl team with the Patriots with Gilmore, like you mentioned, in 2017, but he was also on the Super Bowl team with the Rams in 2018. Talk about you lose the Super Bowl with the Patriots in 2017, only go to the Rams, and you lose to the team you just left. I mean, that's that's a tough pill to swallow, but he's been at two Super Bowls, so he knows that how what it means to get to that point, this championship pedigree. So I think just like T.Y. Hilton was for the Cowboys last season, being this veteran guy coming in, I think Cooks just slides right into that role. And the Cowboys are better for it. Again, like that's why I want to give them a five-star across the board because there's nothing that they've done to this point where I'm just like, man, that's a tough pill to swallow or that's a difficult decision for me to get behind. Like Even as bad as it hurts as a fan for Zeke to be no longer a part of the team, it's it does make sense. Like I see the justification for it. So the Cowboys have really turned a complete 180 from what people have been used to seeing them this offseason. And again, there's not really an argument to be made that they've kind of made a decision where you're like, okay, I can't really like agree with you on that. Like I agree with them even with this Cooks trade. And you make this so easy when I'm hosting because my last question to you about Brandon Cooks is do you think with him in the mix? Do we see T.Y. Hilton return to the Cowboys maybe on another one-year deal or something short-term like that? It's tough because I know the Cowboys want to see Jalen Tolbert develop. You know, that's why they drafted him in the third round. There was talks that he could have been as early as drafted in the second round. You know, everybody was all for that. And it just it didn't work out his rookie season. But I, I can assure you, just based off of what I've heard from, from him in the locker room, like he has a determined work ethic to get better. Like he understands what his role was last season to kind of just sit back and learn. And like, that's okay. He again, came from South Alabama where it's a very small school. He was the guy at South Alabama, still a productive, very talented wide receiver. It's just, sometimes you just need a little bit more work and effort to get better at that NFL level. And there's nobody better to surround himself with than a CD lamb, than a Brandon cooks, than a Michael Gallup, than a Dak Prescott and a Mark McCarthy. So He has a great cast of characters around him to build on his second season. I think we're going to see a lot more from him. Like, even if he gets, I don't know, like 35 catches this year for 407 yards, I'll give him the extra seven. Uh, Like, I think, yeah, 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 I'd like to, again, think so that we're nice people on the pod. But, um, and also, if he ever wants to come on, I'll be able to tell him, like, listen, I gave you the extra seven. Um, But I do think that for him, if that is his stat line at the end of the year, you could say, great big development, big jump from, from year one. So I don't know if T.Y. Hilton will come back. It might take, you know, knock on wood, something to happen for one of the wide receivers to not be active um, for him to kind of come back. Cause he already knows the system for the most part, but I think he might even wait until the end of the year, like he did last year, where he talked about openly being around his, his family and all that. And I think a lot of guys like him, it's like, listen, I've been around the NFL long enough. I know how to get in and get it acclimated into a system. Clearly, him and Dak had a great connection. The biggest highlight of last year and probably the highlight of my Christmas Eve of all time, that beautiful catch, um, which had like a 12% probability of happening, something like that crazy. Gorgeous. Um, Gorgeous. So yes. I, I just think that T.Y. might be like a, a last resort, similar to like Carlos Watkins, who's still hanging out there, where it's like, hey, listen, if you love the area, you still want to stick around, we'll call you in training camp if we have a spot for you. If not, like explore other options, but we'll kind of be transparent about that. So I think that they just want to roll with Jalen Tolbert and maybe whatever guy that they draft in, like maybe the fourth round, uh, even like, again, the cook straight doesn't, you know, uh, take them out of the mix of drafting somebody in the first round because they have to negotiate with CD lamb. They have to figure out what they're going to do with Michael Gallup. And if cooks is in here next season, they already are going to be without, you know, wide receiver one wide receiver two. So you have to kind of, again, look for the future And I think that they might consider wide receiver in the first round. Again, both you and I are on the tight end train. Uh, I'm all for it now. I think David, shout out David Hellman. He's been on it from the get-go. RJ doesn't agree. I think Uh, he'll correct me if I'm wrong on that. (laughs) But I do think that the Cowboys, again, have set themselves up for success in 2023. 
Yeah, and I also think a couple names worth mentioning, too, is Semi Fioco. You could also see more of him within yeah. the wide receiver room. And Cavante Turpin, he made it very clear to our Tony Catalina on first and 10 that he wants to be part of the offense. Even when, um, you know, I got to talk to him last time in the locker room, I had asked him about that. And he said, my focus for this season is to just stick with special teams, do that, brush up on that, and then come back next season and be ready to be more of an offensive threat. And I said, okay, okay, Cavante, get it. And so, sneaky you know. Dennis Houston as well. Oh, man. I root for Dennis Houston so much. Zach this Scott. guy has so much heart, so much grit, so much heart. And I am rooting for him that, you know, he gets his chance. If anybody I am rooting for in that wide receiver room, it is Dennis Houston, Cavante Turpin, those guys that maybe are your underdogs. But me personally, I don't see T.Y. fitting in this situation um, because there's just so many guys right now. And I was initially worried of, okay, Noah Brown's gone. Uh, that that does mean one less you know veteran wide receiver because at that point, yeah, Noah Brown is a veteran. But then I look at all of these names that we're talking about and we're mentioning and you know, the development that they've had to really have over this last course of the year, they're going to come back different players. I'd like to believe that you're going to see a different Jalen Tolbert. You're going to see a different Cavante Turpin. And then, yeah, if you get the chance to see Dennis Houston, you're going to see a very different version of him, even though last preseason he was on fire. Oh, my goodness. And I don't think there was one person I saw that said he was not going to make the 53-man cut because he looked phenomenal in preseason and then you know the cards landed where they did um no brown stepped up and then you saw michael gallup um you know still out and then he returned and all it just didn't work out for him uh this last season however i'm excited to see what they have so all in all you're giving all three of the categories that we talked about five stars across the board for agreeing with the front office, right? Yeah, and, and I think I know how we were wording it in like the script. Like, are we upset with the the guys that left? Like five star, like oh my god, this is a disaster. No, like all the guys that left. Like I said, you know, you have your replacements already on the roster. I think Luke Gifford. You have Devin Harper for Connor McGovern. You have Matt Farniak, Josh Ball, or whoever they draft for Dalton Schultz. You have uh, Fergushot or whatever people are calling them now, and then. You know, you have who's the other one on here? Like a Noah Brown, you have again, you have a uh, Simi Fahoko, you have Jalen Tolbert, these guys who they have. And of course, for Elliot, you have uh, Tony Pollard. The one that you don't have right now is a long snapper, and they need to figure that out. 1.3 yep. million. Again, shout out to Jake McQuaid. Like you mentioned, yep. veteran long snapper is always a important thing to have. He's a proven guy, a fossil guy. And the fact that you got 1.3, again, hats off. Uh, to you, but I don't think that the Cowboys lost anybody that they can't replace. I do think if they lost Wilson, LVE, Cooper Rush, that is difficult. But the fact that they retain them, all the more credit to the front office in what they've been doing so far. And I think everybody's expectations were so low with what they were going to do this front yeah. office. It came as a surprise <laughs> that they signed not only Dono, but LVE. But I mean, somehow they the Cowboys fans find ways to be upset and say, well, Brandon Cooks isn't so-and-so. Well, Stephon Gilmore isn't. It's like, listen, be happy. Like, this is awesome. Yeah. Like, this has yeah. been the best and my favorite offseason that the Cowboys have had. Because, again, I agree with everything. Like, there's no complaint. Like, even giving Dalton Schultz the franchise tag last offseason, I said, eh, it's $11 million is a lot. But, again, you needed it. Build a need, whatever. But, like, I wanted Cooper Rush back. I wanted LVE back. Like, go back to the receipts. Like you mentioned, like, all the stuff that we mentioned, we wanted everything to happen. I'd like to think that we, again, put a lot of effort and push on the front office to do these moves. They should bring us in as consultants. I wouldn't be against that at all. But again, I'd like to think that we were on this beforehand and just kind of helped everybody fill out the uh, process along the way. Yeah. And, you know, on, on terms of fans being emotional, guys, you are complaining about getting what you wanted with Brandon Cooks. You're complaining <laughs> about getting a veteran wide receiver. What is the deal? We all love you, though. We, we love you all, but, you know. Uh, yeah, unless you're tweeting me weird things, then yeah. <laughs> no. No love for that. But all love for the dog advice I've been getting from you all on Twitter. That is there much we go. appreciated uh, for my puppy. But speaking of Twitter, Brandon, where can the people find you? It is at Brandon is right. W R I T E. There are a lot of things we talked about in this conversation that I will be uh, writing about uh, in the coming days, you know, addressing free agency. Uh, there will probably be a second mock draft going up because I know everybody loves a good mock draft. 
about you know the Cowboys where they stand post free agency. There might be a, a surprise pick in the first round for the Cowboys that you know I don't see a lot of people kind of going with right now, but I think a lot of people uh, might be shocked. And maybe if if it lands, I'll be able to put that on the my parents' refrigerator as like an A plus, like in elementary elementary school, and say, hey, like Brandon was you know uh, first on this and. Give them all the credit. Uh, so we'll see how that lands. But yeah, at Brandon is right. W-R-I-T-E. I love that. And, you know, if that's the case, we'll laminate it. We'll put little stickers on it. We'll make it very nice uh, for your parents' fridge. Uh, you, you can find me at Jess underscore on Twitter. I'm just either talking Cowboys, my dogs, or Taylor Swift. At this soon point, to be. Soon to be Taylor Swift concert. Count, counting down the days. Yeah, you guys need to prepare yourselves mentally because that my Twitter will take a tremendous shift for a couple of days come uh, you know the end of the month and then into early April because I'm going to see Taylor Swift in concert, as we all know. Um, I'm very excited about that. And it's cool to see her at AT&T Stadium. It's like my two loves meet up at once. I have my Taylor Swift music, and then I have the Cowboys just kind of all around AT&T Stadium. So. Not, not to mention, you might find J.J. Watt there. I see you know, he's on the uh, J.J. Watt is a yeah. Swifty. So if anybody here is listening and arguing with me that they do not like Taylor Swift, um, be one. Go listen to what... JJ Watt had to say about Taylor Swift and then come back to me and I will debate you all day, every day about it because that's just what we do. Um, but Brandon, as always, thank you so much for being an incredible co-host. Uh, we had a very crazy Monday before we recorded this. Yeah, you're welcome. It, it, was, it was again, like we mentioned the one time before it's therapy. I like this. We're, we're venting. It it's all positive vibes by the time we end it the is. podcast. No, it's great. And we appreciate you guys so, so much for always tuning in, always listening. We will talk to you again, same time, same place here on the Blog and Boys Podcast Network next week. Can't wait. Have a great rest of your day and go Cowboys. 